All right, <clears throat> let's go ahead and begin with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for this morning and the time that we have together as a body, the time that we have to open your word and to be instructed um, by your spirit. Thank you for the conviction that you bring as you teach us, as we hear your voice, hear your words. And we ask now that as we look uh, at the, the topic of uh, discipline in particular, that you would give us grace, uh, help us to, to see the, uh, the patterns that you have laid out in Scripture, and to accept the truth of, of your word, to embrace it in our lives. We ask that you would give us uh, clarity and that we would be a people marked by your word, by the way that you have uh, dealt with us and instructed us. May we reflect that in the lives of our children as parents. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. All right. Last week, we looked at what God requires of us. We saw both his requirements for us as parents and his requirements for our children. And just to summarize, because you'll keep coming back to these things, as parents, God requires us to be diligent. It is not easy work. It is hard work, and we have to work hard at it. We need to be ready and watchful, and we need to be prepared to give everything we've got when it comes to parenting. He also requires us to be just. He requires justice of us, uh, that we need to respond to our children according to their deeds and according to his character, that our discipline reflects to our children who God is. We, we don't want to give an imbalanced or, or skewed picture of who God is by making a big deal out of things that God doesn't make a big deal out of and by not making a big deal out of the things that he does. So we want it to reflect his character, and we need to be balanced and consistent. And if I had to guess, I would guess probably the most conviction comes on that one word, consistent, because consistency is so difficult. So that's what God requires of us as parents. And then second, we saw what God requires of our children. And fundamentally, he requires our children to honor and obey us. He, he requires our children to treat us as weighty, as significant. And he requires in obedience them conforming their will and their desires to ours, to what we require. Now this week, we're going to look at what tools God has given us? What are the tools that God has given us to accomplish these things? Now, I've got three points, prayer, the word, and the rod. And these are completely imbalanced. They're, the, the focus will be on the rod. That's what I'm going to talk about basically today. <laughs> but I want you to know that prayer and the word are critical. We just don't have time to cover all of it. I think you'll hear good messages and can find good messages on prayer and on the word, but I think the rod is going to be the most helpful for us. So having said that, let's look at prayer and the word briefly, and then we'll look at the rod. Uh, number one, uh, pray for the salvation of your children. As you pray, pray for their salvation. I think you all know that. Pray that your children would learn what you're teaching them. 
So as you're disciplining and instructing them, especially when you're having a hard time with a particular behavior, pray for that. Uh, even as you're coming home from work, dads, uh, you're, you're getting home and you're anticipating this problem that's come up over and over again. Take that time to pray. Lord, give my child grace to obey, to submit in this way. Help him to see the value or her to see the value of what we're trying to teach them. Pray for them uh, regarding what they're, they're learning from you. And then third, thank God regularly for your children. No matter how bad your child is, your child's still made in the image of God. And they're a wonder. I mean, they are just incredible. You, you look at a child, uh, every human being made in God's image, are, they are just beyond anything man has ever made. The most complicated, sophisticated equipment or machinery looks like child's play toys compared to a human being. So marvel in that and give God thanks for your children and give God thanks for what they have learned. So while you may be a little discouraged in what they haven't yet learned, reflect on what they have learned and give God thanks for who they, they're becoming. And then fourth, pray for your and your spouse's diligence and wisdom. Uh, especially uh, husbands, pray for your wives uh, as they're at home most of the time. They deal with most of the stuff percentage-wise. They're far more hands-on than, than we are. Pray for their strength and pray for their wisdom. They, they need the wisdom. You need the wisdom of God. So pray for you and your spouse for diligence and for wisdom. I know that's woefully inadequate, but we got to move on. The word, the word. Uh, read God's word at your children's level. Don't be scared to uh, pick up a, a children's Bible, a picture Bible. Use those uh, as talking points with your children. No, they're not inspired translations of God's word, but you're teaching them at their level. You're teaching them at their level. Think about a kid, you're holding your, your sweet little two-year-old or something, and, and you're outside, and there's a bird that goes across the, the sky. And bird, bird, bird. Like, yeah, that's a bird. What do you think the, uh, the uh, wingspan of that falcon is? Bird. Bird. They, they, they're, so, they're so limited in what they know. Speak to them at that level. Yeah, it's a bird. And maybe add on, it's a pretty bird, or it's a flying bird, or it's a big bird. And they're like, yeah, big bird. But you try to jump to this massive discussion of wingspan and what are the feathers and you know, whatever. Bird. Keep it simple. Don't be scared to do that with God's word. We're talking about God made everything. He made everything. Who made you? God made you. And you can talk about all of that at their level, and they're going to just pick up bits at a time. That's fine. Speak to them at their, their level. Uh, please don't do that with your teenagers. That won't go well. But <laughs> you, you got to get it a lot more advanced. As they grow up and they mature, you can speak to them at a, at a more advanced level. But Keep their level in mind. Then talk about God's word at your children's level. So as you're reading God's word, as you're learning in your uh, Bible study or in ABF or in Sunday school or uh, in church, whatever it is, as you're learning God's word, talk to your children about that at their level. 
So learn to apply God's Word to them. And you can apply God's Word to, to your, your two-year-old real simply. God made you. You obey mommy and daddy. Uh, you be nice. You don't hit. That kind of stuff. Well, why? Why shouldn't I hit my brother? I don't like him right now. And it feels good. I'm going to hit him. Well, because God tells us to be kind, so we want to be nice. And you're using these words, and they're just picking up little bits of it, but you're talking to them at their level. They can comprehend parts of it, talk to them about God's Word at their level. Third, apply God's Word at your children's level. When you talk about why we're doing something or why this is the rule, you're applying God's Word to their lives in a way that they can understand. And... The good news about this is you, I think any new time or first time parent, fresh parent, you've got a newborn, they're not going to get anything you say. I mean, an infant doesn't comprehend anything that you're talking about. And so that gives you roughly, I don't know, eight months or a year before you need to figure things out. (laughs) So if you're clueless at this point, you have some time to catch up. And by the time they're one, you can master God's word at a one-year-old's level. And then you have another year before you need to master it at the two-year-old level. And you grow with them as you're learning. But here's what tends to happen is you think, I could never teach a teenager God's word. I can't teach God's word. I don't know how to do that. And so you never start with a one-year-old. And you never learn the two-year-old, and you never. And then by the time they're 13 years old, you've never done it. You've never tried. Start now at their level. Keep it simple, and don't be scared to admit when you don't know the answer or you don't know why. But what are we trusting? What do we look back to? God's word. But God says, and that's the most significant part. And then fourth, uh, maybe just a a tip. Don't let God's Word become merely a Sunday thing or a devotional thing. Uh, Devotions, family devotions, whatever you do, is that's great. Don't consign God's Word to that time. Unleash God's Word so that when you're driving in the car, when you're out in the backyard, at the the breakfast table or dinner table, wherever you are with your kids, bring God's Word into your discussion. Don't let it be a Sunday thing. Don't let it be a devotion thing. So we're done with devotions. Put that thing away, and we're done with it until, you know, tomorrow. Don't do that. Let it be a part of your everyday lives. All right, now, those are the first two tools that we have in parenting. Prayer, the Word, and then third, the rod. The rod. So let's ask uh, just two basic questions. What is the rod and why should I use it? And then second, how can I use the rod efficiently? Okay? So that's where we're going to go this morning. First, the rod is a straight stick used for discipline or correction. Same word can be translated uh, javelin. I assume that it's sharpened at one end. When it becomes a javelin, it's no longer a rod at that point. You're not poking them with a javelin. But this is the same Hebrew word, so you get the picture of what does a javelin need to be. It needs to be straight. If you don't have a straight javelin, it's not going to work. Uh, it's also used to translate a staff, like a, uh, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. That's the rod, the same word. 
so it's a it's a stick or a branch, but think maybe of a large twig rather than a branch. <laughs> That's the idea of a rod. Okay? It's used for discipline and correction. Regularly, the scripture speaks of God's rod for us. Regularly, God himself says, I have brought someone or, or such and such a nation as a rod for you. Why? Because God loves us. And because God loves us, he disciplines us. Therefore, by way of metaphor, God uses the rod on us regularly. You know that time you did that thing and you felt guilty immediately? That's, that's part of the rod. And you know that time you did that thing and you got in trouble and there were big consequences for it? That's God's rod. God uses the rod on us. So the rod is uh, literally, it's just a, it's a stick or a branch. Um, think of a twig. Well, maybe a twig is too small. A large twig. Uh, you could say a reed or a switch, uh, something like that. That's the idea. It's, it's a stick. All right, now, uh, look at Proverbs 26, chapter 3. And I highly recommend you read through the book of Proverbs. And whenever you see something about parenting, just underline it. You you get, uh, I don't know the... I don't know the number, but probably I would guess 75% or more of what the Bible tells us directly about parenting is in Proverbs. It may very well be 95%. (laughs) It's a lot. Proverbs is filled with instructions for parents. Proverbs 26, 3. What is a rod? A whip for the horse, a bridle for the donkey, and a rod for the back of fools. That's what a rod is. It's for the back of fools. But in what way? In the way that a whip controls a horse. You can get a horse to do what it should do with a whip. In the way that you can get a donkey to do what it should do with a bridle, you can get a fool to do what it ought to do with a rod. So these these are the parallels. The horse gets a whip. The donkey gets a bridle. And the back of fools gets a a rod. So clearly the idea is instruction, uh, correction, control. Then flip over to Proverbs 29.15. 29.15. The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. So you leave a child all by himself, leave him alone, and let him grow up on his own without instruction, and what will he become? He will become a shame to his mother. Now think about that in contrast to what the world teaches us. I, I don't know, I'm not a historian in this regard, but there was in the 60s and early 70s a man by the name of Summerhill who was a, a, an, English, an English man whose basic idea of the child is your child is a fresh flower who just needs to bloom. And the best thing you can do for that child is let them bloom and get out of their way. Let the sunshine of their heart come forward. <laughs> and every time you spank that poor little child, 
You're just causing the sunshine to be cloudy. And you're causing that flower to wilt. <laughs> I, was, I was taught this in a junior college by a sweet old lady when I was, uh, I don't know, 19. And I read it in the textbook and I was just laughing. Are you, like, what planet are you from? Have you ever met a child? <laughs> but that is, that is what the world tells us. Every, almost every time you, you, you get a glimpse of what a child is, it's this, this in, perfectly innocent, perfectly wonderful creature. And the only reason they ever have problems is because of parents. And it's the parents' mismanagement of the child because they restricted them too much and they, they were mean to them and didn't let them have their way. That's why they weren't the beautiful creatures that they were way back at the beginning when they were born. That's uh, foolishness. Absolute foolishness. A child left to himself does what? Doesn't blossom and become a wonderful flower. Will bring shame to his mother. You can't leave them alone. Well, if we're not to leave them alone, what's the opposite? And the opposite's pretty clear, the rod and reproof. That's how you don't leave them to themselves. Use the rod and use reproof. And what will the rod and reproof bring? Wisdom. Wisdom. Now, we're going to look at some other uh, statements that are even more jarring than that. But take this at face value. The rod gives wisdom. I want my child to be wise. I have a way to do it. It's the rod and reproof. The world will tell you you're a liar and you're wrong. Don't believe them. The rod and reproof give wisdom, says God. Believe it and act on it. So that's what a rod is. It's used to discipline. It's used to correct. Two, the rod is used to inflict pain. The rod is used to inflict pain without causing permanent harm. What is the purpose of the rod? Go back to the verse we just read. What is the purpose of a whip? I, I, uh, my, I don't know what to call him. My cousin's in-law's father. Uh, I don't know what that is. Uh, something uncle-in-law or something. We were, we were at their ranch in Oregon, and uh, he was showing us around the farm. He has had some horses and some cows, and he said, this, uh, this horse, we were looking three or four horses, and he, he said, this, this is stupid horse broke my leg. He pressed me up against the corral, and he broke, he broke my leg, or I don't remember what it was, broke something, and I said, well, what did you do? Because the horse was pressing him up. He said, well, I got a two-by-four, and I hit him across the neck. <laughs> and he said he never pressed me up against the fence again. <laughs> now, the, the, the horse can handle that. Your, your child cannot. But there's this very basic principle in all creation. What do we all respond to? We all respond to pain. 
and the point of a rod or a whip or a two-by-four, depending on the size of the monster you're dealing with, the purpose of that is to cause pain because we all learn from pain. All of us. Pain is not a bad thing. In fact, what is somebody called who cannot feel pain? A leper. A leper is somebody whose pain sensors don't work properly. And so what happens when the leper puts his hand on the stove? He doesn't know that it's burning until perhaps the smell reaches him and it's too late by then. He doesn't know when he caught his finger in the car door. And so when he goes to leave, it comes off. Leprosy doesn't cause limbs to fall off. The reason we associated the two is because that inevitably happens when you have no sense of pain. So the purpose of the rod is to inflict pain. Moms, the purpose of the rod is to inflict pain. The, the tap on the wrist... <laughs> <laughs> this, you know, the sweet little touch. That's not the point of the rod. The point of the rod is to inflict pain. You've got to swat them hard enough so that they feel it. All right, now, look at, uh, th this is, um, I think this is self-evident, but I'm going to show you some passages that show the same thing anyway, uh, just to make sure. Proverbs 23, 13, and 14. Uh, so the purpose of the rod is to inflict pain without causing permanent harm, okay? No, no permanent harm, just pain. Verse 13, do not withhold discipline from a child. If you strike him with a rod, he will not die. If you strike him with a rod, you will save his soul from Sheol. Now, we just saw that the rod brings wisdom, and now we see I, my son's soul is headed to, to hell, to Sheol, maybe just uh, literally death. I want to save him from Sheol. How can I do it? By becoming his friend and his buddy, helping him to see that he's not alone in this world. <laughs> no, strike him. Strike him. Don't withhold discipline. If you strike him with a rod, you'll, he will not die. If you strike him with a rod, you'll save him from death. You'll bring him back from the death of Sheol. Now, I see here, it's not exactly what the verse is saying, but I see here, whatever our striking is, whatever our spankings are, they ought not to lead to death definitely have gone too far if they lead to death. Why? Because the proverb, the, the Solomon, I believe at this point, uh, may, maybe Hezekiah's men, but so Solomon says, don't withhold discipline. If you hit him with the rod, you're not going to kill him. He's not going to die. He's not going to die. The point isn't to cause permanent damage. The point is to inflict pain. All right. Uh, Proverbs 20, verse 30. And this is, I'm, there's no way I can handle this today. Uh, 
but there is in our nation a debate as to how far is too far in spanking. There's huge, huge debate. It, spanking is not illegal. In fact, Iowa law specifically gives you permission to spank your children. Then why do we hear all this stuff? Well, b- because they say you can do it, but you can't do it excessively or too much. Unreasonable. And then there's this question about, well, what is an unreasonable spanking or what is an unreasonable amount of discipline? I can't, I can't discuss all of that right now, and I'm no lawyer, but look at what God tells us. Verse 30, blows that wound cleanse away evil. Strokes make clean the innermost parts. What kind of blows cleanse away evil? Blows that wound. So for us to say, as a matter of fact, if you ever spank your child and it leaves a mark, you've gone too far, directly contradicts this verse. It is blows that wound that cleanse away evil. Now, by that, we don't say every time you spank, you better leave a bruise. All I'm trying to do is say, let, let, let's not set the limit at bruising, at a mark, or let's define if the mark lasts for two days, it's too much. I don't think so. I think the point is that it's not causing permanent harm. You know, I, whenever I travel, I end up uh, inevitably, it seems, putting a strap around my shoulder for a, a duffel bag or something like that. And what I notice is kind of weird. Uh, in the morning, I, I noticed the next day I had bruises all over my shoulder. What on earth is that? And I saw these pretty defined marks. And it took me a while to realize that it was by holding the duffel bag on my shoulder for a half an hour walk across the airport or something, I left a bruise. Abuse! I abused myself. This self-inflicted abuse. I'm going to get arrested for harming myself. You, some people bruise really easily. Some people don't bruise hardly at all. You can't say bruising is too much when, for one person, bruising, frankly, may have been way too much because they don't bruise easily at all. But for another person, they bruise so easily, you, you touched them on the arm a little too hard, and there's a bruise mark. Now, if that's your child, don't assume that if you left a mark, you went too far. I don't know the answer to what is t- too far, uh, and you need to consider that for yourself and your, for your family. But I do know that verse 30 says, it's the blows that wound that cleanse away evil. All right. So the rod is used to inflict pain without causing permanent harm. Jeremy, you want to say anything on that? Okay. No, that's fine. I just wanted to give you the opportunity if you did. Okay. Uh, One last Hebrews 12. I'm not even going to turn there. You can read it later. But discipline is supposed to be painful. No, no discipline at the moment seems pleasant, but rather painful. Discipline supposed to be painful. Okay? All right, number three. Number three, 
The rod removes foolishness from a child's heart. The rod removes foolishness from a child's heart. Proverbs 22:15. Here's what's bound up in the heart of a child. It's not a flower and it's not sunshine. Folly. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child. So you've got a, 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 a child who is a fool. He's got foolishness, folly bound up in his heart, and I want to get rid of it. The rod of discipline drives it far from him. The rod of discipline drives it far from him. So how can I get rid of the foolishness that's bound up in my child's heart? I'm not saying don't lecture him. I'm not saying don't ground him. I'm not saying don't do those things, but what's the default? The rod. It's the rod that God promises will drive that folly out of his heart. That's where God starts as a default. All right, so second, how can I use the rod effectively? How can I use the rod effectively? Rather than uh, rush through this, we have about 15 minutes. We'll see how far I can get without rushing. If I don't finish, we'll, fi- we'll pick it up next time, okay? All right, how can I use the rod effectively? Number one, just based on what we read, use the rod whenever foolishness is involved. If you've got foolishness bound up in the child's heart and you want to get rid of it, what, what does the Bible tell us to do? Pretty simply, use the rod. Use the rod. The rod of discipline will drive it far from him. So start with that as a default. Let me plead with you, don't reserve the rod for the really bad things. Don't think, well, I, I don't want to use the, the rod for that small thing because then what am I going to do if they do something really bad? Who do we answer to ultimately for what we do as parents? We answer to God. The question is not whether or not the people around us, our neighbors, or even our parents, what they think about our spanking or our discipline. The answer or the question that we need to ask is, what does God think about our discipline? Now, if God says foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child and the rod will drive it far from him, what has God given us? What has he told us? When your child is being foolish, what do you do? Use the rod. Use the rod. Don't worry about what other people are going to think about you. Don't worry about that. Worry about what God is going to say. And I fear too often what God would say is, why have you not used the simplest thing I've given you to use? Make use of it. Make use of it. We're not trying to please men, so don't get wrapped up in what other people are going to think. I know we need to be wise as serpents. Uh, I I know that we need to consider where we do things, when we do things. I, I get all of that stuff. But ultimately, don't worry about that more than you worry about what will God say about my discipline. Uh, B, have a good reason. Have a good reason when you choose not to use the rod. There are many good reasons not to use the rod. If you're dealing with a 17-year-old who forgot his homework, I, I, I don't know, foolishness seems to be bound up in his heart. Could make an argument that a rod would be appropriate. Or you could make an argument that I can sit down with him and reason with him. I can rebuke him, reprove him. And if he learns, great, didn't need the rod. 
but after six months of the same thing, maybe you should go back to the starting point. Maybe the rod would have been appropriate. Now that raises a question of when is, when is a child too old uh, to get spanked? When should I stop spanking? And my simple answer is never. Uh, and I say that for all of us. I say that for all of us. Now think about this. Think about this. See, Greg's, Greg's looking at his son. <laughs> here, here, what, use, stop using the rod. Stop you. <laughs> Is your office open, Jeremy? They might need some time alone. <laughs> All right, here's, here's, how, here's how I think about this. And I'm not telling you you must do this. I'm just saying, hey, why take it off the table? How many of you, don't raise your hand, how many of you have, have texted while driving? And you know you shouldn't. And it's kind of a gray line. Maybe it's not illegal because technically you have to be doing something else at the same time that's illegal. Otherwise, they won't pull you over. But we've probably, I guess most of us have done that at least once. Even though we knew we shouldn't, it was just, I, I had to, I needed to, whatever. And we did it. Now, why? Because what's going to happen? Maybe if there happened to be a cop there, I'll get pulled over. And then what? What is it, like a $50 fine? Big deal. So what? You don't want to get pulled over. That's a bigger deal than the $50 fine. What if, what if the penalty for, using, for texting while driving was that you got 10 lashes on your back? I am pretty sure <laughs> that every one of us in this room would take it a lot more seriously. Now, what that tells me is that you and I, as adults, still respond to pain. We still respond to pain. So if that's the case, and the, the rod is for the back of fools, it's, it's too late to use the rod when the child or the person is no longer a fool. When you can reason with them as somebody with wisdom and you can speak to them and they will respond as one of the wise, then you don't have to use the rod. But as long as they're acting like fools, what's the rod for? They're back. They're back. So have a good reason not to use the rod. If you choose not to, have a good reason for it. Let, let that be your default and if you want to add to that or vary things as you see appropriate, God will give you wisdom, go ahead. But start with that and ask yourself, why am I not doing it? Instead of, well, why should I? Was it really that big of a deal? Well, was it foolishness? Was it disobedience? What does God compare disobedience to? Witchcraft. Right? Obedience Disobedience is as witchcraft. So if our child's disobeying us, isn't that a good, good enough reason to discipline them? Yeah, it is. Now, spanking is not the only method of training or disciplining. It's not. There are many different ways to do it. In, in the pub, uh, private school that I was the principal of, we didn't, we didn't spank. We didn't use a rod. Couldn't, couldn't use a rod. Well, we probably could have legally, but it would have been, it would have been a, a mess. Don't want to do it, especially not in Hawaii. So 
you have to be creative. And so when I'm going to discipline a child, I would make them do push-ups. Or I'd make them run so many laps back and forth. Or I'd make them do wall sits, you know, those sorts of things. Or for the preschoolers, I'd often just make them sit in the corner like a timeout. All of those, what's the purpose of them? Why am I making them do push-ups? To inflict pain. But do we all recognize that push-ups are vastly inferior in inflicting pain than a rod? So if the rod's there and available, why not use it? But if for some reason you think it would be a good idea to use something else, great. Just have a good reason for it. So perhaps your kids are running around in the middle of winter in the house too much and they need to calm down. So your punishment may be, we say this all the time, go run three laps around the house barefoot in the snow. We don't say that all the time, but from time to time we will. And they come back and they're smiling and they're, you know, they're, they're fine. But they had too much energy. They needed to get it out. And so we're saying, look, probably more appropriate is that they go do some physical exercise than that they get a spanking. <laughs> they need an outlet of some kind. So if you want to be creative in that way, that's fine. But start as a default. The rod's there. The rod's always on the table. Uh, just from, from personal experience, I remember when I was 12, I was a pretty compliant child, especially compared to my brother. <laughs> I was very, my parents used to say, there were just days he needed a spanking. <laughs> he wanted one. <laughs> uh, now, he, I was a compliant child, but here's what I remember when I was 12 or 13 years old, is my parents said or indicated <laughs> that I was now old enough to not get spanked. And I remember the rebellion in my own heart. I remember I no longer fear you. You can do whatever you want to me, ground me, take my, I don't care, but you can't spank me anymore. And this, and this is all sinful in my own heart, but my fear and respect, my honor of them dropped. So I'm not telling you what the right age is. I don't know the answer to that. I'm just saying, hey, keep it on the table as long as foolishness is on the table. Jeremy. He's going to make sure that I didn't go Con too far. Okay. No, I just, just want to back up your answer with text. The, the, yeah. two, the two texts, and if you want to write this down with a pen, Proverbs 26, 7. Like a lame man's leg, which hangs useless, is a proverb in the mouth of fools. So on the one hand, the Bible warns against trying to use wisdom with a fool. So if your thought is, I'm just going to reason with this person, I'm going to instruct this person, when you're dealing with foolishness, that's going to be about as useful as a lame limb. Whereas Proverbs 17.10, a rebuke goes deeper into a man of understanding than a hundred blows to a fool. So what you said earlier, if you want to try seeing if wisdom works, you'll see by the results. So if you, if you try wisdom with a child and they change their behavior, hey, maybe that wasn't foolishness. Fo foolishness, wisdom doesn't work with. Yeah. But you're going to see by the results. And when you're dealing with foolishness, the contrast is a man of understanding and a fool. A, a rebuke goes further. A rebuke? Okay. Your puke goes deeper into a man of understanding than a hundred blows to a fool. And I'm assuming that's a grown man. 
that's being oh, yeah. contrasted with a man of understanding. Yeah. So I get the impression that when you're dealing with foolishness at any age in life, yeah. it would be appropriate yeah. to, to, anyway. So I'm just trying to back up your point there. It's the, you can yeah. tell if you're dealing with foolishness because wisdom won't work. Right. Well, you, you see this in our um, society at large. We have this stereotype. You, you think of an NBA player driving in their car, and what do you picture? They're speeding, probably, because they're always getting pulled over. I know it's not just NBA players, but you're always hearing these stories. So-and-so got pulled over. Why? Because whatever the fine is, $250 for speeding, what is that to them? It doesn't matter at all. What if the rule was if you speed, you get 10 lashes? Which NBA player would keep speeding? Shaq. <laughs> probably, no, probably none of them... Because we all, even as adults, still respond to pain. So, yeah. All right. One, one more on that, Jeremy. You might want to write this one down. 2919. This is fantastic. Now, this is speaking of a servant, but the same can, can apply to our children. By mere words, a servant is not disciplined. For though he understands, he will not respond. By mere words, a servant is not disciplined. For though he understands, he will not respond. It's almost saying what we really need when we understand and don't respond is not mere words. We need more. We need more. Okay, uh, where were we? Don't uh, have a good reason. I said that, right? Oh, let me add this on under B. Have a good reason when you choose not to use the rod. More often than not, and I think we'll just finish with this one. Uh, more often than not, corporal punishment is more merciful than other forms of punishment. More often than not, saying, come here, hold out your hand, here's a whack, give daddy a hug, don't do that anymore is so much more merciful than saying, how many times have I told you not to do that? You're going to sit in your room for 30 minutes and think about the ways that God's displeased with you. And then 30 minutes later, they come out and they're sad and forlorn and they think you hate them and because there's this display of anger and they isn't a spanking, a swat on the hand, whatever it is, isn't that even more merciful? I think I think it is more often than not. It's it's over and it's done with. There's no extended separation between you and them. And I'm not saying don't ever do those things. I'm just saying let's start with that as the default. God's given us the rod. Let's make use of it. All right, we're going to pick up next week on number two. Use the rod to bring your children to repentance. I don't want to rush through that. Let me pray for us. Father, we know, first of all, that you are a faithful father who disciplines his children. There is no true child of yours that is not a partaker in the rod. But every one of us have felt your displeasure, have felt the pain that you have brought to us. And we know that you do it because you love us, because you care for us. We pray that you would help us to be like you as a father, mother to our children and raising them up to fear you more than, than anything else. 
but to fear, to respect, to honor their parents. We ask that you would give us strength, help us to be consistent and diligent. And I pray, Lord, that in our own thinking, that we would accept this rod so scorned by our society, that we would accept this rod as what you have given to us for the instruction and training of our children. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. All right, you guys are dismissed. If you have questions, you're welcome to stick around or give me one of those cards.